The Bible Study Podcast, episode 338. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of John with chapters 12 and 13. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We've been studying the Gospel of John, and we're wrapping up. We're in Holy Week, post Palm Sunday and pre-Good Friday here as we start in chapter 12 at verse 37. You may remember that before we got to this point, two episodes ago, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and then we saw last week some of the reaction to people for Lazarus being raised from the dead, people believing in Jesus. John tells us that a lot of the reaction that Jesus got at Palm Sunday was related to that miracle. And the Jewish leaders at this point are also trying to kill Lazarus because he stands there with his life as a symbol of Jesus' ministry and is what Jesus can do in opposition to the religious leaders who are trying to quiet things down and get things to just stay the way they are. Well, this week we're going to look first at belief and unbelief among the Jews, their reaction to Jesus. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So in this rather long passage here, John cites two different sections from Isaiah that say it was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came that people would not receive him, that people would reject him, even though they have seen what he has done, even though their eyes saw they were blind to it, and so their hearts became hard. And that's something that we see often in the Bible. We see way back in the book of Exodus, for instance, how quick did it take to go from seeing the Red Sea's part and the armies of Pharaoh drown until people lost faith there at the foot of Mount Sinai, and many went on to serve other gods. It took just literally days. It was not a very long period of time. And I don't know if we can explain why some people are more prone to faith and some are more prone to doubt. Although John gives some explanation for some of these people. Now, John was somebody who had been a disciple of John the Baptist and 
it is our understanding that John was allowed to go in and see Jesus tried before the Sanhedrin. And so John probably knew some of these leaders here who at this time are not announcing their faith. And it's possible that some of those would include Nicodemus, for instance, that we know elsewhere, has gone to see Jesus in secret, who will, after Jesus is crucified, go with Joseph of Arimathea and claim the body and bury it. So at that time, when you would think he would be most afraid of being associated with Jesus, he comes out and associates with that Jesus. So John says some of these people that he knows probably— They're afraid to say they're with Jesus because they'll be put out of the synagogue. And remember, that was the same thing for the man who was born blind. His parents were afraid to say what they saw. They saw their son healed, and they could praise God. They could bring the glory to God and the glory to Jesus, but they didn't want to do that because they were afraid. They were afraid, again, of being put out of the synagogue, of being separated from community. And community is a powerful thing. It can be a powerful thing for us in terms of encouraging us to do the right things, or in this case, it can encourage us to do the wrong things. And it can we can go along with the community even when the community is not going along with God. Just like in Exodus, when Aaron, who knows better, starts making a golden calf because he's trying to make the people happy, he knows that that's the wrong thing to do, but he goes along with the crowd. Continuing on in chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you know these things. You will be blessed if you do them. Sometimes Jesus talks in parables, but sometimes he teaches in physical actions. He takes the little children and calls them to come to him. He takes off his clothes and puts on a towel and washes his disciples' feet. He's saying, do this, be this way, be humbled. Don't think of yourself as above the task that needs to be done, but out of love, do what needs to be done. Be willing to be the servant. And it's one thing to say it, but another for Jesus, who is the teacher, who is the Lord, to show it. 
You can understand why Peter has some trouble with this because this is a very non-traditional role in a society that has an understanding of place, of position, of authority. This is a role of a servant. This is the role of a slave. And it's interesting, and I don't think that I had noticed it before, but the prequel that John gives to this story is that Jesus, one, knows that he is going to die, two, that his time is coming for leaving the world, and that he loves these people, and that he's going to love them to the end. What we're seeing here is an act of love. It is an act of instruction for them, but it is also an act of love, that we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ because we love them. And then he also says, because he knew that he had come from God and was returning to God, because of that, he gets up and does this. Because he knows he won't be there physically with them that much longer. Even as he comes back from the resurrection, they see him a brief periods of time. And so this is the last long, concentrated time they'll have with Jesus. And of all the things he could do, he could have preached a sermon on the Ten Commandments. He could have talked to them about how they dealt with their money. He could have talked to them about particular sexual sins that they might be tempted with. He could talk to them about how they would deal with authority. Instead, this is what he chooses to talk about. So with his actions, he says, how you behave towards one another is important. It is important enough that I want to model this for you. Jesus, who is about to give up his life, to lay down his life for his friends, who is about to give up his life and lay it down for us, says that serving others is a calling, that serving others is how we can be more like him. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.